0: And greetings. You're on Deep Background for Wednesday, the 25th of May. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Helling with the Kansas City Star. My colleague, Steve Kraske of KCUR's Up to Date. Hi, David. Star with us today, and Scott Cannon uh, with the Kansas City Star. Hi, Scott. Howdy. How are you doing? Well, I want to talk, Since we've got a little bit of a lull in the action here. Yes, um do. The Libertarian Party holds its National Convention Memorial Day weekend. And a guy named Austin Peterson of Kansas City is kind of like the second favorite to win the nomination. He's well, Everybody that. knows all this, Dave. Right, everybody right, knows right, right. The libertarians inside now. Well, I, I thought I'd throw that in. But um, it, it, it's hard to imagine. Hard to talk about. yeah, Really. Hard to imagine uh, candidates more unpopular than, than Hillary Clinton and uh, Donald Trump. And yet, we can say with almost biblical certitude— that one or the other will be president of the United States next year. Or can that, we? That the, the third party, the push for a third party, an outsider, an independent candidate, always accelerates this time of the year and always phased by Election Day. Scott, why is that, do you think? Well, because First I, of all, do you think that's true? I think that's
1: largely true. I think we talk a little bit about whether that's necessarily the case this year. I can see some scenarios that seem at least a little more plausible this year than they would have other years. But we're, we're a red and blue country. Even if you look at the large number of people that describe themselves as independents, they still tend to vote either red or blue pretty consistently. They're they're, they're independents in name only, and and Republicans are Democrats when it comes to actually casting ballots. But you
0: do get a sense that people would be more willing than ever this year to consider a third alternative or certainly want a third alternative, and there are various... You know, you hear Mitt Romney's name and Ben Sass, the senator from Nebraska, comes up. Some people are saying Bernie Sanders should run as an independent, which, by the way, he is.
1: He's not really a Democrat.
0: <laughs> I, there's a column in National Review today, which is kind of a, a conservative uh, website and publication, that says there should be four candidates. You get Romney in there, Trump, Bernie, and Hillary. Most other democracies, at least, have some version of a multi candidate field, and yet for some reason we don't. Well, you know. Why do you think that is, and do you think that's a good thing or a bad?
2: Thing? Well, that four candidate thing you just laid right. out would be really intriguing. You know, Americans always say in polls they're intrigued by the idea. They like the idea of more choices, they like the idea of an independent candidacy. But then the trick is you have to put a name of a person next to that. Candidacy, who is the independent? Who is the person who's going to run? And typically, you know, these people, you know, they're not well known. They're, they have flaws like if all the other candidates do, too. There was an effort uh, that Irv Hockaday, the former Hallmark uh, Cards executive-backed a few years ago, to really get serious about launching a third-party candidacy. And the thing crumbled because they all couldn't agree on who the candidate should be. So... That said, and maybe Scott's right. This year becomes the year when a well-known candidate like uh, a Mitt Romney or a Bernie runs as an, uh, run as independents, and that would change the math here a little bit. But short of someone who's already well-known to the American people and has a certain degree of integrity and a, a certain persona with with the American people, gravitas, it's not going to work.
0: Part of it is the I think the electoral college uh, mathematics. Uh, sort of encourage a two-party approach because you have to win a state. Uh, You can win by plurality, but it does mean that to be competitive or to have a chance as an independent, you have to run in enough states to get enough electoral votes to prevail unless you just want it to be a protest candidacy or somehow, and you hear a lot of this, somehow uh, a third party or an outsider could draw enough votes away to put the election, the presidential election, in the House of Representatives But it seems like our system encourages a two-party approach to the presidency, too. The Electoral College system, the way that both – I talked to uh, a guy named uh, – his name just went right out of my head. The Constitution Party candidate, presidential candidate, yesterday. Daryl Castle is his name. Darryl Castle just Mm -hmm. came back to me. He lives in Memphis. He'll be on the Missouri ballot. And I asked him, well, do you think that, you know, why is it that people like you don't get more of a hearing from, from the public? And he said, and one big reason is state legislatures are controlled by Republicans and Democrats, and they have an incentive to make it harder for people to get on the ballot. That, that plays a role, too, probably.
1: Right. And, you know, part of it, I think, the theoretical desire for a none of the above or a third-party candidate, use a sports metaphor, when a, a team is struggling in football— Boy, that backup quarterback yes, would is great. the hero <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> until he gets in there, and that's sort of what you have with with third party candidates. A, the the individuals that would come step up all have feet of clay because they're human beings, and also their ideology. People would find, well, I, you know, I'm not really, you know, there's not a large number of Americans who are truly libertarian or or for the Constitution right. Party. Right. Um, I, I do, you know. The, it's technically possible, for instance, that the Republicans—it's it's legally possible—Republicans to nominate two presidential candidates: nominate Trump in forty-three states, and then Romney in say, or or, or or John Kasich in Ohio and a few others, just enough so that nobody wins the majority electoral college, which sends it to the House of Representatives, and then you've got President Paul Ryan, right? Right. It's it's a long shot but it's less of a long shot this year i think than it has been before yeah. I, I i don't know that i can't imagine the the republicans doing that but you could see some third party taking advantage of that just running seriously in a couple, just enough states to stop somebody else from getting over. The-
2: you know, right here in our backyard of Kansas, we have one of the best independent candidacy laboratories in the country. You know, a number of years ago, Ross Perot ran for president, and in Kansas, he got the third highest total of any can- any state in the country, 19% here in Kansas. You know, two years ago, a guy named Greg Orman ran for the U.S. Senate, got boatloads of attention not only in Kansas but nationally. And yet, when you look on the ballots, uh, the counties across the state of Kansas this year, how many independent candidacies are we seeing, whether it's for the U.S. Senate and uh, the burgeoning race for governor or for the state legislature come August, November? I think it's a giant goose egg. You know, the movement simply hasn't taken off, despite the fact Greg Orman has a brand new book out about the need for independent candidacies. There's a path forward for them. But, you know, Greg is not running again this year. There's another U.S. Senate Opening on the ballot this year in Kansas, he's taking a flyer. The movement simply isn't lifting.
0: Yeah, some of the folks who are behind the Greg Orman candidacy gave me a call three months ago and said they were very interested in finding an independent to run in Missouri in the Senate race with Roy Blunt and Jason Kander and just wanted my take on sort of what the politics of Missouri might be and uh, so i know that they did some polling they spent some money they looked around they tried to recruit a candidate but gave up because of what i think we're all talking about and that is it's very difficult to find a path for an independent candidate that one of the two major c- candidates can't uh, assume uh, on his or her own if a third party person enters the race if right. you you know if bernie got in bernie sanders ran as an independent in in or in the United States for the presidency all Hillary Clinton would have to do is sort of steal his message on you know points a b and c and the rationale for his candidacy drops the other thing that's important to keep in mind is the Republicans and Democrats have had you know, more than a century to build up their structures, their fundraising Absolutely. structures, Absolutely. their precinct captaincies, their get-out-the-vote, organizations, organization, all across the, the yeah. mechanisms are all in place. If you're an independent, you're going to have to build that almost from scratch. Even the Libertarian Party lacks that kind of infrastructure that the R's and D's have had for years. And so even a guy like Michael Bloomberg, who looked at it as an independent, ran as an independent for mayor of New York and won rather easily. Uh, realizes it would cost hundreds of millions of dollars just to match what the R's and D's already have in place. And so you put all that together, I think what both of you guys have talked about, plus this mechanism uh, problem, it, it just is so hard to see how an, any independent or outsider could possibly compete on that level. And again,
2: unless you're very well known, it's such a hard sell to the American people when they actually walk into the voting booth and have to make that fateful decision as to who they're going to back. Again, going back to Kansas in 2014, we went into Election Day, that final week of the election, Orman against Pat Roberts for the U.S. Senate, Independent against Republican, no Democrat on the ballot. What happens? The the, the early polls, the polls a week out show the race in in, intensely competitive. You know, you get to Election Day and voters walked into the booth and they pulled the more reliable standard, went to the standard, which is the Republican Party, left Orman by the wayside. He barely cleared 40 percent of the vote. Very interesting, you know, laboratory we had here in Kansas test case right here in our backyard. Yeah.
1: Well, right. I, I would say, it's, and I agree with you both, it's absolutely remote that this would happen. It's just less remote this year. So you, you right. talk yeah. about the organization that's so important. Well, in, in some ways, Donald Trump showed this year that those traditional ways of doing things, including point. spending money, aren't maybe aren't as important as they once were. And in addition, so you've got and Trump going out, he won't be – one with the traditional republican party the way the last dozen nominees have been so he won't have that that apparatus quite as uh, weaved into his operation and, and in addition you've got two candidates that even their own parties aren't wild about right i mean there there's certainly a, a devoted trump following within the republican party but not the majority of the party enthusiastic Hillary Clinton doesn't have that same sort of you know real jazz going for her, so if it were a name, a Romney, it, it which was sort of as vanilla as politics gets, might be appealing in a year where everybody just dis- is disgusted with the others. Right,
0: and I think you could make a case. This may seem a little far-fetched, that in essence Donald Trump is the independent candidate. I mean, he he right. certainly
1: doesn't follow
0: the orthodoxy of the Republican Party. He was just an independent independent candidate who was able, in essence, to hijack the Republican. Party mechanisms uh, to to get it, to win the nomination in the party, and that the search for an independent is really a search by Republicans to find a mainstream Republican uh, who who can run in the race. I, I do get the sense that most Republicans are coalescing around Blunt because they are Blunt Trump because they realize that. To nominate a Romney or to try to get a Romney or someone like that to run would be suicide in a way because it would so badly split the the vote and and really give the election to Hillary Clinton. Well, I
2: think your point about, about Trump is well taken, but I would still argue that Trump is a once-in-a-generation candidate, maybe a once-in-a-millennium kind of candidate. I mean— we just aren't going to see a candidate like this again. I think in a very long but you, time.
0: But you, here's what I think Trump proves to you, and that is that insurgent candidacies, whether formally independent or, or in the case of Trump, you know, within the Republican Party, m- depend utterly on personality and persona, and not on positions on issues. And mm-hmm. you can just go through the list: George Wallace, who won five states in 1968; Ross Perot, the businessman, the you know, the the larger-than-life figure. Teddy Roosevelt who ran as a bull mooser back in 1912 who was you know the whole persona the whole myth around Roosevelt the only way and uh, Jesse Ventura as the governor of Minnesota running as an independent the only way an independent outsider even has a chance is not just name recognition, in my view, but this idea that it, 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 he, he or she is larger than the candidates That's interesting. Uh, that, yeah. that he or she might oppose. And you don't get that sense with Romney, certainly not with Ben Sass, all these other, or, or the libertarian Gary Johnson, who's right. polling in double digits in some polls that that anyone outside has that sort of dominating outsider larger than life personality that can suck some of the oxygen but out.
2: but all those people you describe are very well known people you know they they go into the race as with name recognition that, that's that's towering right. as opposed to someone like Ben Savage. I mean, who who knows who that guy is right. you know? and i
0: think to circle back to what you've been saying about kansas that turned out to be greg orman's biggest problem because you know, on on the one hand, we all look at it and say, "Well, an independent failed in Kansas," but remember, he came from nowhere, literally nowhere. I remember interviewing him in 2014 on the Fourth yeah. of July, by myself. He was by himself. I mean, it the idea that this independent guy even had a remote chance was a joke. He got 45 percent of the vote against Pat Roberts in Kansas. Mm-hmm. So, on some levels, it was a success. He didn't win, but he came from nowhere to to give you know Roberts the challenge of his life. But he fell short because he was not this larger-than-life, mm-hmm. outsider, yeah. historic personality that that provides that kind of oomph to get you over the top.
1: Yeah, and he did, he, he was a, a sharp guy, but he didn't have oversized charisma. And he didn't right. have a, a touchstone issue. I mean, if he had an issue, it was being independent, which is sort of right. a process. it's, it's all process. Of course, Trump had, you know, build the wall, make America great again. Right, and right. That, it was this, something people could seize the on. The
0: outsider critique is almost always a process critique. You know, it's not about this issue or that issue, but the system is broken. I can heal the system. I think that's what Bloomberg was talking about. And that's why I think it's tough to find a, a path for a Romney at the national level. What's he going to say that, well, I agree with Donald on some things but disagree with others, but I'm a nice guy and he's kind of a jerk? But, but know, again, That can get you to 20% of the vote. It can't get you to 40
2: But if we walk through 2016 in a year, as Scott argues effectively, that this is a year tailor-made for an independent candidacy, if we end up walking through 2016 without one, what does that say about us ever having one? Well, because right. if no you're question. ever going to have one, this would be no, the year to do it. No, this would be
0: the year to do it, and there still is time, although the clock is really ticking. It's ticking. Exactly We're almost in right. June. You're exactly right. If the, if the if an independent can't uh, make a real significant run this year, you'd almost think it's almost impossible at the federal level going forward. So that sort of begs the last question, which is, uh, there was a poll out this week that showed that the number one reason people are voting for Hillary Clinton is because they don't like Donald Trump. When they ask Why are you supporting her? It's not positions, it's not personality, it's not experience. It's that she's not Donald Trump. And they ask Trump voters, why are you voting for him? And the number one reason is because he's not Hillary Clinton. So it's I can't remember a more defensive voting scheme than we're facing this year. The number one reason that people are giving for supporting the candidates they do is he or she is not the other guy or gal. That that suggests a a very bitter, brutal campaign. And I think we saw some evidence of that this week with the whole vince foster thing and all the stuff that trump is bringing out and also poor turnout a lack of enthusiasm which by the way a third party might be able to provide but if it doesn't happen that you you just get the sense that this is going to be the grittiest uh, grimiest presidential election in memory is that right or not right
1: oh yeah and i, th- I think the vince foster so it, people aren't following super closely uh, Trump is raising the long disputed uh, not disputed but Disgusted. shot down theory yeah, I mean, right. that that Vince Foster who was an aide to the Clintons uh, killed himself or, or was killed somehow by the Clintons when he committed suicide.
2: If we're going there, where will we not
1: go this year? If we're going back to Vince right. Foster, everything right. in, in the May. world's on the table. Right. In, in May. May. Right. right. <laughs> Well, yeah. Mena, Arkansas is next. The old conspiracy about what sort of the drugs drug or whatever being flown in during the yeah. Clinton governorship go. in Arkansas. Right. You know, it's going to be crazy stuff like that. And and Trump's got his own baggage of you know of a different sort, usually about sort of sexist things he said to Howard Stern and on the radio.
0: Do you think that that that
1: that uh, a dirty who, who benefits
0: from the a dirty election like? This? <sighs> Who, who you know i think there's an argument you hear this a lot from sort of the pros who say that if you can draw if you can muddy up the water drive down turnout that turns the election into a base election and that's trump's only path mm-hmm. if he can make sure that you know the young people stay home and the bernie supporters and really drive down turnout and eke out ohio eke out florida eke out north carolina you know eke out virginia that's his only path. You think that's right? No, I think right? that, that, that makes as much sense as anything yeah. you know I've heard. Sure. You know. and, and he's good at it. I mean, he's good at muddying the water. That's how he won, in some ways, the primaries in the Republican and, Party. And the
2: amazing thing is that he's probably going to make that decision all by himself and in, in his head as he goes about his daily... Uh, living, This is not a guy with the, a big entourage around him who's yeah. – they're charting a path through the uh, the choppy waters of the general election right.
1: Well, uh, a guy who, here. Who, he's a guy who appears to, to stake out policy positions in the midst of an interview. Yes. yes. And then
0: change by the end of the interview. Right. right. Yeah.
1: Hey, the, the other thing I think is, could be game-changing here, positive or negative for either side, are the conventions and the, the vice presidential candidates. There's talk that Trump might announce his cabinet at as early as the convention. Um, and that would that could be interesting because people would then be able to, you know, make some judgment about Trump by the people he d- chooses to surround himself. And even, let's say that doesn't go over terribly well, that there's flaws because, again, these are humans. But it does put Clinton on the spot. Okay, I've, yeah, who, I've told right. you who mine are, let's see yours.
0: Right, and mm-hmm. the same thing on Supreme Court justices, which I think is an effort... By Trump to sort of reassure you his know, right, the mainstream Republicans the right, yeah. that he's not out of his mind, um, because my guess is if you actually asked him today who who, are, who was on your list, he, he'd have no idea. I mean, I don't think he. I'm sure he turned to someone on his staff and said, "Hey, let's put out a list," because. One thing we know about Donald Trump—he he doesn't get down in the weeds of sort of those decisions one way or another. But, um, but what
2: you're saying about Trump is interesting, though, because it's so unconventional. And what you're doing is you're putting Hillary. Now, how do how does Hillary Clinton respond to the most unconventional general election opponent that anyone's had? ever, you know in, in, you know, in American politics. And there's no playbook here for how to navigate this. There's no set strategy for how to deal with somebody like Trump. She'll have to be making these decisions a little bit on the fly, too. And you wonder how well equipped she is to, to do that going right. forward. Right.
1: you know, one, one response would be to sort of counter and, and be unconventional in her own way. But they're sending out the message that Trump is risky. Trump is dangerous. And so if she does this thing, which we all see as her great fault of being very Super planned and stayed, and and stays conventional. Maybe in a, a perverse way, that works to her advantage, just because it makes her seem nice and steady and and not dangerous. And mm-hmm. makes I, him I seem. I think
0: it's very clear to me that's the tactical decision they've made to date. That she doesn't take him on on his terms. Now she may let surrogates do it, and maybe her vice presidential pick does that, but she has refused really to engage. Uh, Trump on on Trump's level, which I think is interesting and risky in, in this sense. Donald Trump was brilliant for, regardless of whether you think he his policy positions make any sense, was brilliant during the primaries at making his opponents the issue almost every single mm-hmm. day. We never talked, and Donald Trump is clearly again, no matter what you think of his positions, the most flawed candidate. In either party, just personally in his own background, and yet that never became an issue. It was Marco Rubio's, you know, uh, the way he participated in a debate, or whether Marco. he sweat too much, or he was little Marco, or Lion Ted, and or Jeb, Kasich Bush, Kasich no is crazy, or Jeb yeah. Bush, no energy, or Jeb Bush, no, you know, Trump was just brilliant about turning the spotlight away from himself. And focusing it on his opponents and of course he's trying that with Clinton mm-hmm. too and so it's interesting that her response is I'm not going to respond in kind and make him the issue at least until now that may be changing I mean, it's the whole risky and but but, right, but more, here's yeah. the
1: difference in the general election in the in the primary all those guys were living sort of week-to-week week for survival so they were all of them were much more vulnerable to be picked off right Right? A, a dip in the polls before even the, the cauc- first caucuses right, happened is a problem. Right. mattered. Well, if, if she gets the nomination, you know short of some indictment, she's there to the end. she's not falling out. So it'll be harder to, to take her out and take her down in that way. Right. I'm, I'm not saying it won't be effective, but it won't be, it, it won't be as easy as, as cut and paste the, the right. primary approach right to And the she general. does have
0: a couple of advantages in my view. first, a lot of this she's been through before. The whole Clinton thing has been litigated forever and ever, so it isn't as if there are new disclosures that we know about yet. Yeah, there could be, but by and large, you know, when you're bringing up Vince Foster, you're really going, you know, back to the Greatest Hits album. And second, and this I, I want to phrase this correctly, when you, when you attack, you know, I think when, when Clinton ran for the Senate in New York, her opponent tried to get pretty aggressive with her, and there is a, a thing with a female candidate that makes that kind of aggression difficult or different. Uh, I'm not saying good or bad, but I do think you have to be a little more tact, uh, tactful, or or understanding of of your mm. your attempt. And and then the the, the final thing is. It's not as if she's got her own baggage, but most of the attacks have been against Bill. You know, Bill's not on the ballot now. Whether people see it that way or not, I don't know. You know, we're sitting here. So it's more complicated, I think, than the primary. You're exactly right. Much more complicated for Trump to sort of get aggressive with her in a way that she's got aggressive with. He he got aggressive with Rubio or Cruz or the other. You
2: know, we're sitting here talking about aggression and tactics and and going on the offensive here and attacks and all these kinds of things you know it seems to me at the end of the day we are talking about the presidency of the united states and at some point here both of these candidates are going to have to pivot to some extent and begin to tell the american people why they're worthy of a job It has to be part of the equation here going forward hillary clinton obviously has to sit and find a way to begin to address this lack of trust lack of candor you know an enormously difficult task at this point with a woman whose name ID is at 100%, everyone knows her. How can you begin to refine these character flaws, which are so outstanding and so uh, perfectly mimicked on Saturday Night Live and everywhere else? And Donald Trump's gonna have to show the American people that, hey, I'm not a kamikaze pilot here. I'm a guy who can run this country. That has to be somewhere in the next few months, that's gotta be out there, and again, What a difficult task that is for Donald Trump to, at this point in the campaign, after all of this stuff that we're talking about today, to begin to say that, hey, I'm an adult, too, and I can run this country in a responsible, mature way. I don't know how either candidate gets there, but it's going to be really interesting to watch that. Scott mentioned
0: the— conventions and the veep choice there you as, go as, as inflection points i would add a third which is the debates the presidential debates in the fall which uh, again there'll be a different type of debate than the primary debate with eight or nine people on the stage uh, it'll just be the two one of them, on one and, and that that may be a place where people will make their decisions unless we have an independent candidate but, well right but he, <laughs> so going back just to, to the bring the, the conversation mm-hmm. full circle you know, the other thing that's true, Steve, is the American people ha- have some decisions to make, too. I Absolutely. Mean, you know, the, the candidates have to make their cases, you know, the two major party candidates. But at some point, the the voter is going to have to say, who you know, who do I want to, you know, run the executive branch for the next four years? And at that point, a third party, an independent, arguably becomes a distraction. And, and and wasted effort because we can agree that whoever that third-party person would be probably won't be elected president. And so, you know, you could make a case that for the, all the Mitt Romneys and the, and the uh, Ben Sasses and the Bernie Sanders who might get in, ultimately the public's going to have to decide which of these two major party candidates they're going to vote for.
2: And that's a good way to end this discussion. Yes. yes, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, thanks Scott Cannon from the Kansas City Star, Steve Kraske from KCUR's thanks, Up to Date, and the Star. A reminder to all our good friends who have listened to us faithfully over the last couple of weeks that we appreciate reviews on iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, email us, uh, give us a call, you know, rent a blimp with a, with a, something on the side <laughs> and tell touch. us to pick this up. But we enjoyed chatting with you about politics, and we're glad you were able to join us. This is Dave Helling. You've been on Deep Background.